Welcome to the Sermon of the Week. Before you begin listening, let me pray that you would encounter God right where you are. Father, I ask that your Spirit would be present wherever people are listening. May they be aware of your presence and receptive to the voice of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you listen to this week's message.
praise you, God. We choose to love you, God. It's good to be here today and um, sharing in God's blessings uh, and in his presence. Um, it's been a long trip, um, a few hours stranded somewhere in Los Angeles, but um, we finally made it, and we thank God for being with us and um, taking us here uh, to visit with um, David and Lois, your pastors. Um, yeah, we go back a long way with David and Lois. Uh, they actually, at different times, they both actually lived with us. So we know, if you want to know any secrets, just speak to me. But no, it's good. It's good to come together and worship the Lord, give Him praise, thank Him for His goodness. And I wish we could just bow our heads and have a word of prayer before I go into the message. Lord, we thank you this morning. We thank you for your grace and favor. We thank you for being so kind to us. You are a good father. And you do care for us. And so this morning, Lord, we, we pray for your spirit to uh, open our hearts and minds. That we may hear you speak to us. Not just a passing word, but a word that would transform us. A word that would change us. A word that would put us on course to do your will. We thank you, Lord. We give you glory for all things. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do you have your Bible with you this morning? Yeah. Well, let's turn to Isaiah 49. The book of Isaiah, chapter 49. We'll read from verse 8 to verse 16. I read from the New Living Translation, so you shouldn't have a problem to just flip to that translation if you have a smartphone. Isaiah 49, verse 8. And this is what the Lord says, at just the right time, I will respond to you. On the day of salvation, I will help you. I will protect you and give you to the people as my covenant with them. 
Through you I will reestablish the land of Israel and assign it to its own people again. I will say to the prisoners, come out in freedom. And to those in darkness, come into the light. They will be my sheep, grazing in green pastures, on the hills that were previously bare. They will neither hunger nor thirst. The searing sun will not reach them anymore. For the Lord in his mercy will lead them. He will lead them besides cool waters. And I will make my mountains into level path for them. The highways will be raised above the valleys. See the people, my people return from far away. From lands to the north and west. And from as far south as Egypt. Sing for joy, O heavens. Rejoice, O earth. Burst into song, O mountains. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on them in their sufferings. And we stop there with the reading of God's word. The title for the message this morning is Perfect Timing. Perfect Timing. The white rabbit in the story of Alice in Wonderland, does anybody? The white rabbit in the story of Alice in Wonderland runs around with a massive clock in his hands, shouting, I'm late, I'm late for a very important date. Have you ever watched that? I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. And though later in the story we learn that he is late for the royal garden party where he's to act as the master of ceremony, no one can miss the fact that he is in a panic and that panic causes him to behave frantically. But why the panic and the resulting erratic behavior? Why? Well, it's the anxiety caused by the thought of being late for a very important date. In other words... The rabbit's behavior manifests a state of mind which sees the passing of time as a negative element. And with it, the risk of not being able to do what one hopes to do or, in fact, ought to do. Please keep the white rabbit of Alice in Wonderland in mind, but we will return to it later. Here in our text, through the prophet Isaiah, the Lord God, that is Yahweh God, 
is speaking principally to his people Israel, showing them his plan for their future. Now, the prophet Isaiah began his ministry to the nation of Judah in the year 740 B.C., or since Christ has been now taken out of the equation, B.C.E. He speaks from the year 740 B.C. to a people who had become spiritually bankrupt and were soon to be exiled from the promised land. The Israelites, in fact, by the time Isaiah prophesied, had lost all sense of God's immediacy, God's presence in the moment, and had mistakenly concluded, as we read in verse 14 of that same chapter, that the Lord had deserted them, that the Lord had forgotten them, Yet the Lord says this in verse 18 to 15 to 18. God says, never, never. Can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. See, I have written your name on the palms of my hands. Always in my mind is a picture of Jerusalem's walls in ruins. Soon your descendants will be coming back and all who are trying to destroy you will go away. Look around you and see for all your children will come back to you. As surely as I live, says the Lord, they will be like jewels or bridal ornaments for you to display. Now, what we read in our text from verse 8 to 13 was spoken from God's perspective. And it was spoken with absolute certainty. But practically speaking, are you with me? Practically speaking, it would take decades, even centuries before what he said would come to pass. Some of the things prophesied by Isaiah, in fact, are even now still in the future. And their fulfillment will be realized only at the end of time. Now, Isaiah prophesied during the reign of King Uzziah and continued through the reign of King Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. And Isaiah preached against the religious backsliding of the nation of Judah. But he also prophesied of its future hope, a hope built on the coming of the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Christ. In Isaiah's prophecies, there is a mixture of immediate, near future, and long-term fulfillment. And yet, from what is quoted in the New Testament, 
the focus of the book of Isaiah is the blessing of the Christ. The blessing that Christ would bring to his people Israel and then to the whole world. Now it would be very interesting, at least I think so, to reflect on the intricacies of Isaiah's prophecies and look at their partial and complete fulfillment. But my attention, as I read this passage, was drawn to what the Lord God says to Isaiah in verse 1 of our text. He said, at just the right time, I will respond to you. On the day of salvation, I will help you. And the message version puts the text in the present tense and says, when time, when the time's ripe, I answer you. When victory's due, I help you. Now both this verse and the rest of the passage looking at it objectively rather than historically or prophetically, tell us that the Lord, the Lord God, the God that we serve, is willing and in fact planning to help his people, whether that be Israel or the church. And therefore, the passage makes it clear, and please hear this, that he will respond. He will save. He will protect. And will command freedom, deliverance, abundance, mercy, and compassion over his people. And these are all things that we desire. Things that are beneficial for us, both materially and specifically spiritually. You can read all that in the text that we have read. What we miss, what we miss, unfortunately, in the reading of this passage, is the timing and circumstances in which God will fulfill his promises and deliver his blessing. That there are blessings... There is no doubt. That there are promises, there is no doubt. And that God will do what he says, there is no doubt. What we struggle with, what we miss, is the timing and circumstances in which God will fulfill his promises and deliver his blessings. And this is what I want to focus my Message on and focus your attention on this morning. Not the promises themselves. Although that would be an important consideration. But the timing of their fulfillment. Not the promises themselves. What I want you to focus on is the timing of their fulfillment. And by extension, the timing of the fulfillment of all that God has promised to his people, whether it be Israel or the church. And to focus your attention on the timing of God's promises, I want you to look at these two phrases 
at the beginning of the passage that we have read. At just the right time. And on the day of salvation. Which the message version translates. When the time's ripe. And when victories do. Now. In scriptures we read. 2 Corinthians 1, 19 and 20. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He is the one whom Silas, Timothy, and I preach to you. And as God's ultimate yes, he always does what he says. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. And this means that God's promises have no chance to fail. No chance to fail, to be abrogated or retracted. But, and here's the proviso, God's promises are never fulfilled at the wrong time. God's promises are never fulfilled at the wrong time or put differently on the day or moment we think the Lord must fulfill them. And by the way, I'm not talking about the salvation of our souls. I'm talking about the help needed in what we think is our time of need. God's promises of answers and help will come from God when the time is ripe and when victory is due. A time and a day that it is up to God to decide, not us. Everyone has gone quiet. A time determined by God, not by our circumstances. Now, to confirm that, and to confirm that God works when the time is right and when victory is due, let me ask you a question. How many of you believe that since time began, the world needed a savior. How many of you believe that since time began, the world needed a savior? You believe it? The need for a savior was always there. And in the past, it was veiled in prophecy throughout the scripture. In fact, in Genesis 3 and 16, we find the first reference we read that the seed, the Christ, the offspring of the woman would strike the head of Satan and provide salvation for a lost world. And the promise to deliver the world from sin was confirmed throughout the centuries and millennia by countless of other prophecies. And yet, 
Though the world always needed a savior, the need didn't haste the coming of the Christ. Though at times the prophecies of the Old Testament seem to speak of an imminent fulfillment, well, the need did not haste the coming of the Christ. Now, why was the Savior, why was the Savior not manifested in times past, though the need was always there? Well, simply because Galatians 4 and 4 says this, but when the time, or when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Why was it that the Lord and the grace of God, the whole work of redemption, was not manifested from the beginning of time? Well, because the time was not right. And God never does anything outside a perfect time. But when the right time came, God sent his son. What does that mean? Well, it means that though the Lord has made many wonderful promises to his people, both in the Old and New Testament to Israel and the church, he, that is God, Almighty God, Jehovah God, does not work according to our timetable. He works according to his timetable. See, when we read God's word, we tend to personalize whatever we read to a fault and believe that it's speaking only to us and to our time. But proper Bible interpretation which, by the way, is so important in our days because the Bible apps that we use have reduced God's word to a bunch of out-of-context catchphrases, and AI has now given them an artificial explanation. Proper Bible interpretation looks first at the historical and immediate context. Framing the promises within a particular period of time and for a particular people. And then, and only then, provides spiritual hope to those who, though not its direct recipients, have nevertheless entered into God's promises through Christ. In fact, through Christ, the Messiah, people from all nations have been brought in and made to be one people. In Ephesians 2, verse 11 to 14, we read, Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews, who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. 
In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now, you've been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. But in his own body, on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. And then Ephesians 3 and 6 confirms that truth and says, And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. So God's promises were first for the people of Israel, literally, and then for all believers spiritually. And if they were fulfilled literally for the Israelites, then they will be fulfilled for us as well. But however wonderful and encouraging that is, the fulfillment of God's promises, and I repeat, depends on God's timetable, not ours. The fulfillment of God's promises depend on God's timetable, not ours. In fact, God unfolds his plan and fulfills his will at the right time. And when victory is due. Do we understand that? Here's an example. The prophet Daniel. How many of you know of Daniel? The Bible says that it was a man greatly loved by God. And he received many revelations from God and was given a glimpse into the future. What the future held for both Israel and the world. But when Daniel became anxious about wanting to know the exact times and seasons and asked the revealer, Daniel 12 and 6, how long will it be until these shocking events are over? And then, how will all this finally end? It was a fair question, I think. He was told, Daniel 12 verse 9, go now, Daniel, for what I have said is kept secret and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, cleansed, and refined by these trials, but the wicked will continue in their wickedness, and none of them will understand. Only those who are wise will know what it means. And then verse 13 says, As for you, go your way until the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the days, you will rise again to receive the inheritance set aside for you. I can just imagine the, the scene here. 
Daniel, I want to know, when is the time? Is it this? Is it going to happen soon? And the uh, revealer says, don't worry, Daniel. Just, just take it easy. God has got all under control. He will bring everything to pass at the right time. See, we all believe in God's promises. And that's good. We should. We should all believe in God's promises. But we have a tendency to think that their fulfillment in our life is always late. And so, like scared bunnies, we run around yelling, it's late, it's late for a very important date. In other words, we're worried and anxious because we think that if God has made these promises, but these promises are not being fulfilled quickly in our time, then it will be too late. It will be too late. And so we carry around this large personal clock. And its ticking makes us nervous, suggesting that if things don't happen soon enough, the queen will have our heads off. I will lose my job. I will never be able to, to move forward. This sickness will never leave me. And, and we prognosticate and have all these negative uh, ideas in mind that if God doesn't do it now, right now, then it's over. It's over. It never the matter will never be solved. We think that if things don't happen when we expect them to happen, we will lose the opportunity, the chance, the blessings, the provisions, and the help God is meant to give us. I've not introduced my wife, Linda. She's the best part, not the better, but the best part. But I remember while I was studying in England, I planned to um, travel to the United States, actually to Springfield, Missouri, to finish my theological studies. And I did apply and was actually accepted. And I had to um, pass a particular test while I was in England. And um, they um, confirmed that I would rec receive the results within five weeks. That was their time, five weeks. So I had already applied. And um, the college said, look, as soon as you get the results, because uh, for any foreign students, you have to pass a, uh, uh, an English test. As soon as you get the results, send them to us, and uh, then we'll proceed with the, um, with the application. So I waited, I waited, I waited. Four weeks, and I thought, well, there's one more week. So I waited. But the results never came. Results never came. And I was, I'd been studying there in England for a year, and um, 
I wanted to move on, continue preparation for the ministry. And I was so disappointed. I thought, Lord, what's going on, you know? You called me to, to the ministry, and now here I am uh, stuck here, and, and I can't move forward. I, I'm not getting the result. To cut the story short, I never got these results. Anyway, things changed, and uh, um, the Lord opened a door for me to go to Canada. And uh, while I was there, uh, a few years after, I sent a note to the um, office that did all the, um, the um, sort of uh, checked all the reports and all the scores for the test that I took. and said, look, I, I took this test in London, and uh, I was supposed to receive the results in uh, five weeks, but I never received the results. Within a couple of days, I received um, a letter from New York uh, saying, we did send them. Here's the copy of the form. And um, you passed the test. Apparently some 97%. So I thought, interesting, that what I had planned to do, going to Springfield, Missouri, for me, it was a great idea. You know, I thought, you know, it's a great college. I study the word of God. I'm going to get into it. But it was when God said, no, no, you're not going to get this because there's a young lady. <laughs> Waiting for you there in Canada. And uh, that's how we met at the Bible College. So to say that sometimes we're so stuck with thinking that God is going to do it my way at my time, not realizing that God has a greater plan, a greater plan. If things don't happen when we expect them to happen, we lose. We think we're going to lose the opportunity, the chance, the blessing, the provision, and the help that God is meant to give us. But what we ought to learn instead is to focus on the one who made the promise. Focus on the one who made the promise and not on the promises themselves. We need to believe that what God has promised will come to pass at just the right time and on the day of his salvation. In other words, we need to learn that God's promises will come to pass. I love the way the message puts it. When the time's right and when victory's due, we should not be worried about when and how, but simply trust the one who made the promise. Do you trust God? Well, then leave it to him. Oh, but he said this. Yes, he did. He did believe it, but in his time, in his time, we should not be worried about when and how, but simply trust in God who made the promise. And here's a statement, a statement which I believe deserves full acceptance. Trusting in God is more important than believing in his promises. And do you know why? 
Because if you trust in God, you'll believe his word and you will trust in his faithfulness. But if you simply believe his promises, when the promises are not fulfilled according to your timetable and your expectations, you'll stop trusting in God. Now, God does love us. God does love us. And his plan does include us. But his plan is not about us. God loves us. And his plan includes us. But his plan is not about us. It's not about our likes and dislikes or our petty projects for this life. His plan is about the redemption of his creation. And we better hook up onto that plan, or we've lost the plot. In Ecclesiastes 3, 9 to 13, in a roundabout way, King Solomon, inspired by the Holy Spirit, tells us that all the circumstances of life are ordained by God. All the circumstances of life are ordained by God. And they are ordained by God for our happiness and enjoyment. But only when they come at their appointed time. So restricting God to our timetable... Restricting God to our timetable is a major mistake. And it will cause first frustration and then disappointment. When, however, we accept God's perfect timing for all things in life, regardless of what we experience, all things, good or bad, Gain a silver lining. Unfortunately, we struggle with God's perfect timing and always want to anticipate its implementation. Remember the disciples? A few scriptures have been read about them today. The disciples, and, and by the way, this was after the Lord Jesus had risen from the dead. And it said to them, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. This is the Lord Jesus. Matthew 28 and 18. Saying to his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Which, I, at least to me, it's a, it's a statement which should have put all their questions to rest. All authority is in my hands. The disciples instead kept on being concerned about the here and now and thought that the time had come for the restoration of Israel. In fact, in Acts 1 and 6, we read, So when the apostles were with Jesus, now of course risen from the dead, they kept asking him. So they didn't ask just once, but they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for, for, for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Now, the Lord Jesus was with them, but they were thinking about their present existence and noticed their kingdom 
their kingdom. But the Lord Jesus answered in verse 7, Acts 1 and 7, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. Don't believe someone who will tell you this is going to happen. So-and-so, this and that will happen at this particular time. If it is from God, the time is never given because you must live by faith and trust the Lord every step of the way. But then the Lord Jesus added, which is the purpose of our existence until God fulfills all his promises. They were asking, is this the time? But he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In other words, the Lord Jesus was telling them, forget about when, the when, and the how. Just trust in me. Trust in me for what I've called you to do, to to be my witnesses and to tell people about me everywhere. I need to bring this to a close. For years, for years, and David and Lois can uh, verify this, for years we have been trying to get together there's four siblings in uh, Lois' family. Linda is the first, and Lois, and there's Carolyn. Who else is there? Oh, Carla is the first. <laughs> For years, we thought, well, we, it'd be nice, because now all the children are grown up and married, grandchildren, you know, it's a chaos wherever you go. So we thought, be nice for the four couples to get together. Halfway in Hawaii or somewhere, or we come over, try, why, why don't we try this time? Or what about next year? We tried, for, at the end, we gave up. We gave up. We said, enough, forget it. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Then Lois came to Australia, and uh, I don't know how it all came about, but all of a sudden, we thought, why don't we go and visit the U.S. at Thanksgiving? And Carolyn from Seattle says, we're coming too. And, and, and Carl, of course, lives in, in, in Florida. And, and, and all of a sudden, from never expecting that this could happen, a whole family's coming including the children and the grandchildren. You talk about chaos, you know. God's perfect timing. For years we've been trying to get together, and God knew our hearts. God knew our hearts. We wanted, we love each other. We thought we need to get together before time passed and Gino passes away. You know, we need to get together. But it was not the right time. But when the right time approached, God brought all the pieces together. Oh, what a blessing to be part of God's perfect timing. 
Well, this is an example of God's timing versus ours. God's day versus ours. God's will versus ours. God's response versus ours. So let's learn this. God promises to us, don't make things about us. God's promises to us, don't make things about us. God's promises are indeed yes and amen. But the Holy Spirit says, 2 Corinthians 1 and 20, to God for his glory. They're yes and amen to God for his glory. His time is perfect. And if we accept it as his plan for our lives, it adds beauty and peace and joy and everlasting hope to our lives. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 to 8 tells us that there is a time for everything under heaven. Have you ever read that passage? There's a time for everything under heaven. But it's God's time on God's day and for God's glory. We tend to run around like scared rabbits anxious for God to do what he has promised before it's too late, we think. We run around thinking that if it doesn't happen now, well then, I'm toast. Well, the Holy Spirit says this, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So, disregard the huge clock around your neck and start trusting in the Lord. Start trusting in God's time. I read a commentary on what the white rabbit represents in Alice in Wonderland. And it says the white rabbit is not just a cute and quirky character, but a symbol of deeper meaning related to time, anxiety, and societal pressures. Lewis Carroll, the author of Alice in Wonderland, uses the white rabbit to comment on the fast-paced nature of modern life and the anxieties that come with it. How interesting, eh? I close with the words of a popular song by a Linda Diane Ball entitled, In His Time. The song says, in his time, in his time, he makes all things beautiful in his time. Lord, please show me every day 
as you're teaching me your way, that you do just what you say in your time. In your time, in your time, you make all things beautiful in your time. Lord, my life to you I bring. May each song I have to sing be to you a lovely thing in your time. So put your full trust in the Lord because at just the right time, he will respond to you and on the day of your salvation, he will help you. Let's all stand together. Please bow your head for a moment. I know that as we go through life, we're confronted by and with many issues. And sometimes we wonder, is God aware of what I'm going through? Does he know what I'm suffering? Is he concerned that if this doesn't happen now, it may be lost for good? And yet the answers don't come. And sometimes we get disillusioned and think that, uh, I don't know, can God actually do that? Well, God is omnipotent. God is omniscient. And so he can do all things. But he also knows the perfect time for everything. So all you need to do is to truly trust in the Lord. Knowing that he has your best at heart. That he cares for you. That he will fulfill his promises in your life at the right time. And the victory will come when it's due. So instead of being anxious and concerned and worried about things, just keep on focusing on God and say, Lord, I trust in you. I believe in you. I trust in your promises. I believe that you care for me and I'm at peace in your, in your hands. And that is when we gain a sense of peace. We receive God's comfort. 
and we realize that we can do nothing without him. And yet with him, we are more than conquerors. As I close in prayer, and I don't know after that how Pastor David wants to finish the service, but as I close in prayer, just ask the Lord, say, Lord, help me to understand the importance of your time, your time, your perfect time, that I may walk with you and see the fulfillment of your promises for my life at the right time. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your grace and favor. You found us, Lord, when we were lost in this world. At the right time, the word came, a word of life. At the right time, we experienced your salvation. Lord, help us to, to understand that and, and, and experience that every, every moment of our lives, every day of our Christian life, that we may truly believe that all the good things God has planned for us will come to pass, but at the right time that at the right time, victory will be ours. We thank you, Lord. We give you glory for all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. If you live in the Charlotte area, we encourage you to worship with us on Sundays at 10 a.m. We encourage you also to give to this ministry so we can continue spreading the gospel to our city and throughout the world. You can go to our website at missioncommunity.cc, click on the Give button, and the rest is simple. Have a great rest of your week. God bless.